When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canadaland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically, nothing costs $2 anymore. You could, like, get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap, and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com join, or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. We're, we're friends. I'm friends with thousands of people, but in saying that, I, I can't influence. I can't influence and tell the police what to do. So, like a joke on Twitter come to life, Toronto Police Superintendent Ron Tavener has just been appointed to be Commissioner of the Ontario Provincial Police, despite being uncommonly underqualified for the position. He also, of course, happens to be an old friend of the Ford family. Ford has faced a week of questioning about the appointment, and the Ontario NDP is calling for the Integrity Commissioner to investigate However, Ford says nothing went improperly during the appointment process, while also acknowledging that he signed off on it. So now Doug Ford's longtime friend is running the second biggest police force in the country. Uh, So that's a fun consolidation of power. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, the news editor for Canada Land, and I covered Rob and Doug Ford and their uh, very interesting circles of friends for several years. I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and like Doug Ford, I also have thousands of friends. This is Wag the Doug, a pop-up podcast about Doug Ford. That means we publish these whenever we want. Uh, Sorry that we missed the past two, three crises, but we're on top of this one, and we are sure there will be many more in the near to medium term. Welcome back, Jonathan. Welcome back, Allison. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My friends, you talk about the police. Let me tell you something about the police. You have the best superintendent in the entire country, Ron Tapner, that is the most engaged superintendent anywhere in this country. An engaged superintendent that gets involved, cares about the... So that was just a couple months before the Ontario election. While he was running to be premier, Doug Ford spoke to a stop gun violence rally and discussion at uh, Kipling Collegiate Institute. And as he often does, he talked up uh, Ron Tavner. So I'm going to give our listeners some background on what has been going on at Queen's Park involving Ron Tavner. So basically, a week before we're recording this, we got a late, we being the media, got a late afternoon, early evening news release saying that he, Ron Tavner, was appointed Ontario Provincial Police Commissioner. Uh, His job will begin December 17th. He's getting a $100,000 pay raise. Tavener up until this point, or I guess still right now, is a Toronto police superintendent in Etobicoke. So to me, it was surprising that where the appointment had not leaked prior to this press release all of a sudden, which at first I kind of thought was a joke because it seems like the sort of thing someone might send is a satirical joke. And just searching Twitter, I mean, I found that the previous day or, yeah, just the middle of the previous day, Joe Warmington had tweeted that he, you know, I like the idea of Tavener for OPP commissioner. He cares about big people. Big time. But other than that... Big people? Oh, so he cares about people. Did I say big people? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure... Well, yes. Oh, people. Quite (laughs) us. He cares about people big time. Um, Was it weird that it just just suddenly is like a major thing like that wouldn't have leaked or wouldn't have been planted somewhere that it just comes out in a press release? Or am I just overthinking this now? I don't think it's necessarily weird. It could have... I wouldn't... Also wouldn't have been surprised if it came out in a Joe Warmington column. Yeah. But but what's happened since then has been all of this blowback. I mean, there's calls of, of nepotism, clearly, but then also, you know, the integrity of the Ontario police's relationship with the government. Will it be independent of the government, which is, of course, supposed to? Uh, will they ever investigate crime, uh, potential crimes that may come up under the Ford administration over the next three and a half years? So... The government and, and Ford have really stressed that that the appointment happened through a third party committee. They came up with a, a panel. They interviewed people. And I told them very clearly, I don't want anything to do with this whatsoever. Which was made up of an HR professional, cabinet head Steve Orsini, and tellingly, the still new deputy community safety minister, Mario Tommaso, who many have also pointed out is Taverner's old boss. So even that alone mm-hmm. is a conflict of interest. Um, but of course, the story gets a lot bigger. Um, when when D. Tommaso was appointed to the DM position, I think it was in October, uh, Taverner lauded it publicly. So I oh, mean... Yeah, this is the Joe, it was in a Joe Warmington In a Joe column. Warmington column, yeah. Yes. So I mean, th- these people all know each other. Let's just say that. So Ford has admitted that he signed off on the appointment. Did you sign off on the actual OIC? 
I have final sign-off on everything in this province. And he also said he signs off on every single appointment in Ontario. Every appointment in this province, I sign off, just like the previous premier and the previous premier before then. Which might be true, but that seems like a lot of reach for a premier. Um, But to make things even crazier, iPolitics reported that the original job posting for OPP commissioner required, and we're kind of getting deep into different police chief roles. All you need to know is that the, the first job posting said that the candidate must be a deputy police chief or assistant commissioner or higher. Then only two days later, the job posting was updated to only and the only change to it was to remove those minimum requirements, which then thusly allowed Taverner to qualify for the job. So and how many days after Tomaso's D. Tomaso's appointment was the job posting updated? Two days, two days. So again, the ties, they they don't seem random. It's actually a little further into Ford's tenure than I expected before I had to just double check the definition of nepotism in the dictionary to make sure it applied to friends and not just family. And, and it does. So yeah, so that's what's happening at Queen's Park. But <laughs> my question, and, and you know, I honestly, truthfully don't know the answer to this, like, who is Ron Tavener, Jonathan? And and like, how close is he to the Ford family? Like, what does the f- meaning of Ford family friend mean in this context? It's a good, qu- <laughs> it's a good and funny question, because it's one of those things for the people who followed the Ford family stuff closely for years, it's one of those things that we almost take for granted that Ron Tavener, this police superintendent in Etobicoke, is very close to them and has ties going back a long time. And then, you know, other people have had suspicions about the lengths to which they may have gone for each other at different times. Um, so Ron Tavener is sort of this character who was present or maybe on the side for much of the Rob Ford years and beyond that, his, he would sort of come up or his presence would be somewhat felt or inferred from any number of uh, these more infamous stories or incidents. Like one of the characters in the X-Files. Maybe not the cigarette smoking man, maybe one of like the slightly lesser, like well-manicured man or people like whose faces you suddenly see in the shadows. You're like, aha, he must have had something to do with this or perhaps he was just watching. But either way, he is there. We can start in 2011, about a year after Rob Ford became mayor. It started to be reported uh, by the Toronto Star that there had been multiple uh, 911 calls made from Rob Ford's house uh, relating to domestic incidents. And so Robin Doolittle got a quote at the time in the Star and later reused in her book, basically asking Tavener about this. Like, and you know, and she's as as she put it in her article, you know, Tavener, who heads the neighboring Etobicoke Police Division, neighboring to Rob Ford's house, it's like a few blocks north of there, uh, and has known the Ford family for many years, said the mayor receives no special treatment. The quote is, anyone, if it's you or I, they have a right to privacy if someone calls the police and it's a domestic-related issue. We don't go around talking about that. That's their personal business. I don't think anybody would want that. On November 6th, 2012, uh, Ron Tavener took the unusual step of making a deputation, that is to say giving a public speech as a member of the public, basically, but also representing the police, to the Etobicoke York Community Council, which is to say the quarter of city council representing Etobicoke and York. Speaking in favor of a casino, an expanded of a casino at Woodbine, 
Uh, basically, when there was an effort to push a, a forced a casino in Toronto, for, or for, forced a couple casinos on Toronto, which the Fords were quite in favor of. And Taverner actually took the time to attend this meeting to speak out in favor of a casino at Woodbine. On the same day, also on November 6, 2012, he also held a news conference to justify the bizarre police decision to have the TTC kick riders off a bus to send it to pick up Rob Ford's football team that was waiting in the rain. Why did he say that was okay? It's actually not that convoluted. What (laughs) What happened was a game had ended. It was raining. According to the Catholic school board, for which Rob was coaching this team, the police on the scene made a decision to call a bus to get a so-called shelter bus, which is a thing that TTC dispatches usually for emergencies in order to get the kids out of the rain. According to Ron Tavner, the reason had nothing to do with the weather. It was actually he was worried that fights would break out. And it was out of caution for something happening and community safety that it was a decision made by the sergeant. And uh, I think it was the right decision. But he also described the students as being fairly well-behaved. It was never actually reconciled at the time what the situation was like or fights why. fights between the opposing high school football teams? That seems, that seems to have been the suggestion. But Tavener certainly basically, he, he went out of his way to hold a press conference to justify the situation wherein police made their request to the TTC. The TTC sent one bus... That bus couldn't find the school. So then the TTC sent a second bus, kicked off 50 riders on Finch, put them in the rain, sent the bus down and picked up the kids. And this all came out over the following days. Um, so what what this boils down to is that Tavener has already mm-hmm. showed that he will not work independently of the level of government that he reports to. I would certainly say that there were questions raised about that. And then like fast forward another year, or not even quite a year, Toronto Police, uh, that spring of 2013, started an official investigation into, basically into the crack video, into Rob Ford's ties to drug and criminal elements, in the particularly in the city's northwest. And the Toronto Police Chief, instead of running that operation, Project Brazen 2, out of the one of the local Etobicoke divisions, they ran that at basically out of, I believe, out of Toronto Police headquarters for members of the Homicide Squad. And as the Star reported that summer, they confirmed through police sources that the reason Project Brazen 2 was set up using officers from Homicide and other areas separate from the Etobicoke Policing Network is that Chief Bill Blair wanted to limit interaction with local officers. Uh, the Star had previously learned that a senior officer was always dispatched to the Ford's house whenever there was a troubled call. So what you're saying is why would the Toronto police want to limit investigations involvement with officers in the division where Rob Ford lived? One of the things that there was always whisperings about didn't come out until a couple years later when Mark Toohey, who was one of was Rob Ford's third of five chiefs of staff as mayor, wrote in his book that two senior members of the Toronto Police Service had told him that officers pulled over the mayor's car late at night on multiple occasions and had driven him home rather than charging him for driving under the influence. In that book, which came out also shortly after Tavener sent a second letter advocating a casino, Mark Tuohy also described or alluded to Tavener being a member of what he had termed the the night shift. 
The night shift was basically, as he described it, the group of people uh, that had sort of accumulated around Robin Doug Ford over the years to whom they often listened and took advice instead of from people who knew what they were talking about. Um, and I think this still – this still – this potentially describes the current dynamic. Um, Sorry. <laughs> As Mark Tui wrote, you know, we didn't know who they were at first, but over the years we developed a list. They were Ford regulars, people the brothers had accumulated since high school. We believed Doug's night shift included an old high school buddies like David Price, who was then a sales executive at a Bay Street financial firm, business associates, the local police superintendent, the police union boss, etc. Everyone on the night shift was an amateur political strategist who would read the tabloids or listen to talk radio and recognize a brewing opportunity we'd missed or gaping flaw in our plan. They'd prescribe some course of action, either stupidly simplistic or breathtakingly complicated, and their brothers would be sold on it. With the dawn, the night shift would recede into the shadows, and those of us in the day shift would begin to clean up the damage. So the night shift is now running the police in Ontario. Which includes 8,000 employees. I think the night this shift... This is a big job for, for the night shift. I strongly suspect the night shift is running much more than the police Good point. Ontario. Okay, officially. I suspect officially. the night shift is, as we've seen many people leave Queen's Park, I imagine the night shift is running a lot more than that. Just to continue from... To his book, uh, I don't. Like, it was the night shift, for example, who conceived the ridiculous, embarrassing weight loss challenge that turned the mayor's <laughs> office into a carnival game. It was the night shift who developed the plan, which was universally hooted down, to build a Ferris wheel on Toronto's waterfront. And it was the night shift who ultimately cost Rob his dream of finishing a half-built subway line for the Eastern Borough of Scarborough, which he'd promised to build for his strongest supporters. The night shift was a nightmare. I definitely feel like once you start to look at for decision making through the frame of trusting people in an immediate close circle or people you trust people you've developed a loyalty with or for over the years and valuing that loyalty necessarily over expertise or experience or relevant knowledge a lot of the pieces sort of start to make sense in a different way in a different lens and you kind of understand yes to to Doug Ford Ron Tavener would absolutely be the most logical person to be put as chief of the largest police force in the province and one of the largest in the country. So what does it mean that the night shift is potentially in control of the Ontario Provincial Police? I think it means that the Ford government's going to be able to get away with a lot. Uh, the OPP, part of their job is to investigate you know, criminality within the government. A really useful example of this would be the gas plant scandals in which Delta McGuinty's chief of staff, David Livingston, was ultimately imprisoned for his role in deleting emails or overseeing the deletion of emails in a case that was pursued and investigated by the Ontario Provincial Police. So we can imagine a situation where something like that happens. And again, it took a lot of political pressure before the OPP started investigating this. But will that happen mm -hmm. if uh, Tavener is the, the guy at the top? Yeah, I mean, it's weird to me that the OPP is in charge of investing in the provincial government. And that, that isn't itself seen as some sort of conflict. Because like when Rob Ford was being investigated by the Toronto police, 
eventually, for reasons of optics and because Doug Ford had successfully picked a fight with the chief to the, such an extent that it looked like a political battle, they gave the OPP uh, an oversight role into this to give this appearance of greater independence. And ultimately, there was a bit of a conflict between the Toronto Police and OPP views. And like it wasn't just like something they said. Like, they're, they're, that actually made a difference. Like I see what you're com- where you're coming from, mm-hmm. and there's been times when, for example, the Ontario PC party when it was under Patrick Brown had all of these nomination scandals all over the province mm-hmm. and um, accusations of fraud at nomination meetings, and it was always handled by the like local police mm-hmm. where the meeting was happened. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some in Hamilton right now. Which really didn't seem like that made the most sense. Like, why are Hamilton police investigating the Ontario PC party's mm-hmm. processes? And there was lots of questions of, like, will they kick it up to the OPP? And the Wynn government at the time was said, no, we think mm-hmm. that we don't want it to look like it's a conflict of interest with us because mm-hmm. we're the government and we're trying to, like, have it out for the opposition. So I guess there's different ways it can play, but the OPP mm-hmm. still has the right to do it if, if they want to. So, I mean, Doug Ford doesn't strike me as the person who's really concerned about avoiding conflicts, certainly not appearances of conflict. But there is specific reason to believe that they would be interested in having a close relationship with the OPP beyond just speculative future malfeasance. Well, yes. So recent reporting from the Toronto Star found that Dean French, who is Doug Ford's current chief of staff and was a big member of his campaign team, On October 17th, notable day in Canadian history when recreational cannabis became legal, as a way to send a signal to all of the dispensaries, illegal dispensaries that are still then and and now, I think there's still some of them open around the province, French allegedly ordered the Ministry of Community Safety, which runs the police, to dispatch police forces and get them out on the streets and get video clips and make the news. Today, members from the drug squad raided five dispensaries all across this city. Remember, the only way you can get... So this was much uh, maligned once the news broke. There's a tradition in Western democracies that that the governments don't interfere with the day-to-day policing uh, for many different reasons. So we sh- we already have seen, proving this story is true, I, we haven't seen any evidence that it's not, that Ford wants the power to tell the police what to do. So Ford has been defensive to say the least, about this Tavener appointment. He's, like, not happy that he's being called out on this at all. Um, he did a really sort of angry press conference about it yesterday. Oh, that was so funny. I don't have a statement. I'm just coming out here. You guys were all asking me questions. So why don't you start off, Tavener? And one of the, you know, the few people who sort of, like, piped up with a, a strong opinion on this is... Chris Lewis, who is a former OPP um, commissioner. What what did he have to say, Jonathan? On CP24, Chris Lewis, who is a correspondent for CTV, uh, was, as the host, said, the anchor said afterward, you know, uh, very candid in his assessment of what it meant for a superintendent, for someone who's, you know, a high-ranking official, but not, not a chief or a deputy chief or anything like that, to suddenly be the head of a very large organization. 
Uh, I think it's a real kick to the OPP and the senior officers in there, uh, in that organization that know this province, know the organization, and they pick somebody from the outside with very limited experience. So that being said, why do you think they chose an outsider? I think that I really, frankly, I think the fix was in from day one. I just can't imagine that that the headhunting company involved, which I know and has a great reputation, recommended a longtime superintendent from Toronto to take over the OPP. Uh, so, uh, I mean, there was interviews done, the decisions of premiers, there's old relationships there. We all know it. And I think it was a travesty that this occurred. And Doug Ford responded as Doug Ford does. You know something, I'm going to hold my comments on the former commissioner. Maybe you should look into some of the stuff about the former commissioner, but I'll hold my comments on him. I won't get into the weeds like he did, but uh, the OPP officers that I've talked to, and endless OPP officers and Toronto Police and Peel and York about Ron Tavner, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And uh, they, they, they've lost a lot of respect for your friend, Chris. Uh, Lewis, as it turns out, is on Twitter and has a very active, bizarre presence that seems to be involved sharing leadership memes on a fairly consistent basis, such that you have to scroll down very far to find this. Ooh, wait, here's a Ford relevant quote. The only people I owe my loyalty to are those who never made me question theirs. Ooh. So his tweets go... Real leaders communicate 360 degrees. They inspire all those around them to be better people and better colleagues. Then a picture of Muhammad Ali that says, what you are thinking about, you are becoming. And then a tweet that says, in reply to CBC's Queen's Park reporter, nice, Mr. Premier, did I mention anything about the history of anyone in the OPP commissioner dialogue? No, and that will continue. But I suppose we all have a history, in quotation marks, and sometimes some, in quotation marks, of it is urban myth, and some of it is actually true at Ford Nation. So, so what's he trying to say in that tweet? Oh, uh, well, Doug Ford and his brother Randy were reported five years ago by the Globe and Mail to have been mid-level hash dealers in Etobicoke. And keeping in mind that in this context, mid-level means above basic street dealer um, and actually having a fairly sophisticated operation that presumably got received its product from – people who are likely connected to an even more sophisticated criminal organization. So Doug Ford has a history. And as Chris Lewis says, some of it's urban myth. I'd like to know which parts. But some of it's actually true. So I guess, I mean, that's kind of a funny tweet anyways. But it's extra funny when it's coming from the former head of the Ontario police. <laughs> yeah, who who overlapped, who was actually, yeah, he was the OPP commissioner at the time the story was published. And later briefly had an oversight role of the investigation of uh, Rob Ford's own their varieties of drug involvement. So if anyone knows some intel on this, it, it might be Chris Lewis. This is Jonathan, alone in studio with some updates. One of the first rules of Ford is that there is always more. And so since we recorded this episode, more things. In particular, one, the Toronto Star reported that Ron Tavner purchased a $550,000 home from one of Doug Ford's closest advisors, who's now one of his deputy chiefs of staff, in a private sale. And two, uh, the Globe and Mail reported that Tavner will have to testify before the Human Rights Tribunal this coming spring 
uh, in relation to his alleged mishandling of sexual harassment complaints during his time with the Toronto Police Service's 23 Division. Further down in that globe piece, and easy to miss, is the detail that both Tavener and Doug Ford have been involved with this charity, Trust 15, that works with at-risk youth. And as The Globe reported, in the summers of 2016 and 2017, Superintendent Tavener traveled with the participants to Mr. Ford's cottage north of Toronto for Ford Fest Camp Day. So take from that what you will. So Doug Ford loves to say that everything he does is for the people. It was his campaign slogan, says it all the time. But what we want to figure out is, like, which people is he talking about? So what we're going to do is play a little game called For the People. And Jonathan and I are going to vote (laughs) against each other on whether a certain policy or issue is either for the folks, the folks being the average Ontarian, you and I, or for the friends, which would be the Ford family kind of clan, the insiders. You know, they won't call themselves the elite, but at this particular moment in Ontario history, they kind of are. So on the count of three, I'm going to, well, first I'll say something. Mm-hmm. And then on the count of three, you and I are going to say folks or friends. Got it? Yes. Okay. The Ontario Open for Business signs. Three, two, one. Folks. folks. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's for people who mistake a sign for policy. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the idea. That was an easy one. Yes. All right. Reversing the plan to increase the minimum wage by $1. So basically not letting the minimum wage become $15, which it would have been in a couple weeks. Three, two, one. Friends. Friends. Right. Friends, yes. The friends being like the business community that's now kind of circling around him, right, now that he's in power. Yes, the people who are lobbying and writing op-eds about why moving to $15 an hour would crush your massive billion-dollar chain of grocery stores. Okay. Uh, Letting private retailers sell cannabis. Three, two, one. Friends? Vice, folks. Oh. Given that it is is effectively the status quo, um, I don't think there is much objection there and people, I think, are who would not otherwise, do not otherwise agree with anything he says or does such as, I don't know, Vice Magazine or Magazine, Vice, uh, <laughs> so people uh, are, you know, quite, quite thrilled. Counterpoint, the business community also thrilled, oh, especially, you know, sort of this up and coming massive cannabis industry. And I guess what I was thinking about when I said friends is sort of this whole other kind of mini scandal that's been going on regarding the the warehouse operations of the Ontario Cannabis Store, oh, man. which I has been given a yeah. So it's so much news. top secret the location of the Ontario Cannabis Store, which makes sense security reasons is why they say it. But they gave out some giant tender to manage it and lease it and operate it to. No one knows who and without any sort of normal process, which really has my my friend's flag flying. I love the idea that there's a secret warehouse like with the, the Ark of the Covenant is also stored that uh, will contain all the province's weed. Okay, what about the new, just announced last week, Ontario's new environment and climate change plan? Three, two, one. 
for folks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I. Uh, Ooh, no, friends. I'm changing friends. Friends. Okay. Want to know why? <laughs> yes, please tell me. Basically, it's like a really simplistic plan that's not going to do very much. But they're painting it as, well, one, it's going to be better for business because for some reason now we're paying businesses to lower their emissions <laughs> instead of charging businesses to emit. So that's an interesting reversal oh, of climate you. policy, which is obviously going to benefit. Like now our tax dollars are going to businesses. It's weird. I don't I don't know. Somehow this like is not a massive part of the news cycle. It's just like, um, I don't know, Ford and all of his like breaking down of former liberal policies has managed to like dodge having to really like answer for a lot of them. This being another example but now they're kind of trying to rebrand climate change or fighting climate change as fighting litter and <laughs> fighting leaky basements. Part of the climate change plan includes a new anti-littering day every year. But not an anti-literary day yet. N- no. No. <laughs> not so yet. No, anti-littering. Minister Tabola yeah. has not yet announced that. So whether or not stopping littering in Ontario is going to affect climate change. Anyways. Wow. So, but I guess in a way that kind of is for the folks. And, and, and Rod Phillips, the environment minister, said this is basically that, like, people don't like fighting climate change because it seems too hard, right? It's like this big, crazy international problem that Ontarians don't really think that they can do much about which, in fairness, kind of true. But if we, like, rebrand the problem as just, like, clean up the lakes, people might be more incentivized to want to support it, even if it doesn't do anything. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's psychology research to support the idea that people are more likely to take an interest and active in action around immediate immediate conceivable problems and to address those. But, of course, you know, they are the the government. The entire idea of of the government, a government, any government, is to undertake those things that people could not do as individuals or that businesses could or would not do on their own. Right. Not Uh, just simplify it into an easier problem to solve. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, the only only hope to just to meaningfully combat climate change is wide-scale government policy and action. And if they're abdicating that... Then, yeah, no, we're, we're we're dead. Not yet, but soon. And that was Wag the Dog, a podcast about friendship. I'm Allison Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at at Queens Park Today. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. I'm on Twitter at Goldsby. This show is produced by Kevin Sexton, and our theme song was by Nathan Burley. If you like what we do, please come and support us at patreon.com slash Canadaland. 